0: Now in its third year, it's a Yank on the Footy with Craig Wessels, talking about the greatest game on the face of the earth. Sit back and enjoy, everybody. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 173 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels, coming to you from Sandusky, Ohio. We've got some thunderstorms rolling through my neck of the woods right now. Thanks for giving the episode a listen. In this episode, I'm going to look back at round 11 and get into some of the news of the early part of the week, including the results from the midseason draft. Don't forget that if you're interested in having your local footy club get a shout-out during an upcoming episode, drop me a note via email or as a message on Facebook. Just look for Yank on the Footy Podcast over on Twitter at yank underscore on, over on Instagram, and just look for a yank on the footy over there as well. And you can certainly reach out on my website, as we'll talk about in a moment, a yankonthefooty.com. Uh, today's club of the episode are the Howlong Spiders of the Hume Football League. The Spiders came into existence in 1898. They are based at Lowe Square in Haw- on Hawken Street in Howlong, and recently one of their players, Blake Chaco Williams, played his 100th game for Howlong. He began in their OSKick program and has since gone on to win the best and fairest at the club a couple of times, as well as playing on their 14U 2009 Premiership side. Congratulations, Blake, on the great effort there. Now, on Saturday, June the 4th, the Spiders are going to be facing off against the Billabong Crows at the Urana Rec Ground. So, best of luck to the Spiders this weekend as they go at it again. Now, folks, again, don't forget that you can find everything related to the podcast over at my website, ayankonthefooty.com. You can get on the mailing list there which i hope you will do if you enjoy the podcast i do hope you'll consider signing up uh, and leaving a review over there that helps me to share your thoughts with other prospective listeners and uh, let them know that uh, there's some people out there that actually like the show and might want to check it out So, if you want to help out the show, you can uh, click on the little yellow button in the bottom left-hand corner of my website. That's the Buy Me a Coffee page. You can do that. You certainly don't have to, but it's much appreciated. Also, if you're interested in any podcast gear, there's the store page up at the top. You can click on that, and it'll take you right to my Redbubble page. Now, earlier today, or overnight, the mid-season AFL draft took place. and I'm going to run through the the picks, and I will be the first to tell you that I recognize the names of most of the clubs, but the players... Not quite so much, okay? I definitely will be reading up on them as we go forward. But as of right now, I'm not sure who's who. I know there was uh, one player that uh, Rick Shabani mentioned to me that he was hoping was going to get picked in this draft. Great little uh, clip that I watched about him yesterday. He ended up not getting selected. He was somebody that he played with during his year in Australia. So West Coast had the first pick, and they picked up Jai Cully from the Dan and Dong Stingrays. And North Melbourne picked number two and picked up Callan Dawson from the Williamstown VFL squad. Essendon picked up the name of the draft. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, didn't Orazio Fantasia previously play with Essendon? Well, they have another beautiful name that's going to be wearing the big red sash. They picked up from the Western Jets, Massimo D'Ambrosio. That name is, I cannot wait to hear BT calling that name. That's gonna be great. Uh, Number four, Adelaide picked up Brett Turner from Glenelg. GWS picked up Wade Dirksen from the Peel Thunder. Hawthorne picked up Max Ramsden from the Sandringham Dragons, and they actually had two players picked. Uh, The the next pick went to Gold Coast, and that was Oscar Falkhead from the Bendigo Pioneers. Port Adelaide picked up Bryn Teekle from East Fremantle. Josh Carmichael from West Adelaide went to Collingwood Richmond picked up Jacob Bauer from North Adelaide. The Swans picked up Hugo Hall-Cahen from the Sandringham Dragons. So there was a second Dragons player to go. I think that was the second. Yes. Uh, and at 12, the Cats picked up Zane Williams from Woodville West Torrens. And I watched some video on him today. Looks like a pretty good little small uh, forward there. Carlton picked up Sam Durden from Glenelg at pick 13. So the, the second Glenelg player there. St. Kilda did not make a pick at number 14. Fremantle had the last pick in that first round and picked up Sebat Kewick from East Perth. Another hometown player there. We had a couple passes again in the uh, second round before Essendon picked at number 18. Picked up Jai Menzi from South Adelaide. Hawthorne picked up James Blank from the Box Hill Hawks at number 20. And the last pick in the midseason draft was Will Hayes from the Carleton VFL squad who went to Carleton. Now, folks, I wanted to jump into a couple news stories from this week, and one of them, just in the short period of time that I've been following the game, it's it's just one of those head-scratching things. And, uh, you know, last year I, I caught a lot of uh, flack because I I tipped Essen into fish 17th on the ladder, in my, my ladder predictions, and then, of course, they made the eight. Now, this year they're, let's just be honest, they're scuffling. They're not playing terribly well. Okay, there's a lot of things going on there. And the president, Paul Brasher, just ordered his second mid-season review in basically three seasons. I think the last one was in 2020. Maybe, I guess, technically two seasons. Is this something, is there something that is inherently wrong with the club? Uh, is there some something that needs to be exercised from the club? I don't know, but to me, Looking at it from 15,000 kilometers away, I wonder, is it something as simple as the spark plug of their club stepped away this year and has now retired with Anthony McDonald tipping Woody? You've got Jake Stringer, who is a dynamic player when he's out there, but watching him over the last few years, he's like watching you know, somebody who's the owner of a, a very, very fancy Italian sports car. When it's running, it is the best car on the road, but it spends a lot of time in the shop and you're waiting on parts quite a bit. So was 2021 a Mirage? Is 2022 a more accurate representation of what Essendon truly is? And I'm I'm gonna get into some of the comments from some of the Essendon supporters because I reached out on the different discussion boards to see what people's thoughts were. And uh, John stated that if Walla and Stringer had played, the result this past weekend uh, at Port Adelaide would have uh, could have been quite different. They both lead out and pull defenders with them. This opens up the forward line for players like 2-meter Peter to mark and also makes defenders second guess. Our forwards are just standing there calling for the ball to be bombed into a congested area. Defenders love that they can punch the ball or stand uh, a good chance to spoil a mark, just my two bobs worth. Laurie said it's a sad indictment on us when we think that it is good that we at least tried. That reminds me of the uh, the little GIF of uh, Bart Simpson with the cake that says "at least you tried," and then he heads over and dumps it into the trash can. That that was my editorial there. That's not that's not what Lori said. Uh, go on. I, I thought Darcy Paris showed what he thought uh, of our effort and adherence to the game plan. Unfortunately, Dyson Heppel seemed to not want to show any anger. I look at Melbourne in May and Lever and also always seeming to be directing traffic and calling out anyone who doesn't comply. Is that bad? Uh, Don Cole then said, I agree. At least Parrish displays a bit of passion and continues to play his style of game without consistent support. Heppel, not so sure of his future. Now he's a 200-game player, if I'm not mistaken. Not a game-time leader. Think his time is quickly coming to an end, but not sure who could stand up as a much-needed on-field frontline leader. That's a fair question. You know, Who, who would step into that role as, as captain for the Bombers? Okay. And then Don goes on to say, I'm old enough to remember many great match day leaders, and Heppel currently does not rate as one of them. 20 years of inadequate on-field results looks likely to continue. And Patrick goes on to say, The review is much needed. Sheedy will not put his name to any outcome that does not address key issues. Let's hope it assists the club heading in the right direction. The key is keeping the young group together. And giving the right direction and the best opportunity to succeed for everyone. And uh, two more short ones here. Paul Paul stated if we were to re, we we're having a review, it should be done by outside independent people with no connection to the bombers. I believe it's the same people who've done the last review. And then Stephen said it'd be bad luck if the, if they find that the CEO is at fault and he's just signed on for two more years. Yeah, that would be bad luck. Um, but you know it's. Uh, it's kind of painful to watch them because you know, th- there's some talent there, but they don't have a great deal of what you would call killer instinct. Now, I, I'm not I'm not advocating to go out and you know start mocking people like uh, Luke Parker did with Dylan Shield. I, you know I think that any other club, you know, had Dylan Shield. Well, let's be honest, had Luke Parker done that to his own club, well, Buddy Franklin might have punched him in the jaw. Uh which, you know, buddy's uh Buddy's suspension was upheld, so that's not a that's not a good thing for the swans. We'll get into that a little bit later on as well. Now the, one of the other big stories this week was the the speculation. And Kane Corns was one of the people doing this, and some other people brought it up as well. And I'll put a link to uh to nine.com uh, an article where they're speculating that maybe the Rouge should consider sending Jason Horn Francis Back to either Adelaide or Port Adelaide to try to recover or generate as much draft capital as possible in order to accelerate their rebuild. Now, you're, you, you, I, I'm not sure if that's such a, a wise move because you've got a very talented player who went number one. And now you're saying let's sh-, well and, and here I am as a Browns fan and we've got the number 1 pick of the draft in 2018 sitting at home being paid 18 million dollars to not play football. That's a different story completely. But you know is having that one really good player there is you know who's going to develop hopefully and is is it worth sending him on his way to try to bring in more picks? I mean, did 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 North make a mistake? Taking a young man out of South Australia rather than, than finding a, a, a young player from Victoria who might not be as likely to get homesick. I don't know. I mean, I, I've talked with a number of people online about this, uh, and it's uh, you know, you're asking a lot of these 18, 19 year old young men and young women in the AFLW to, to make the sacrifices that they make to come play football in other parts of the country. I mean, that's a, that's a big culture shock. I talked about this with somebody else recently. I can't exactly recall who it was, but we were referencing how, at least with like college football, college basketball here in the United States, and again, I'm, I'm not saying what we do here is right, trust me, I'm not saying that at all, but those athletes will have a year or two or maybe three where they are living at a campus, maybe in an apartment, maybe in a dormitory room where they've gotten accustomed to being away from home. Now, some of the, some of the, the superior footy athletes have gone on to play at, at high levels in other places as well. So they've had opportunities to do that same sort of thing. But, it, you know, is it, is it something that they should think about? Now, the, the injury of the round, if you will, of course, was that to, uh, was Jacob Weedering. And he's, scheduled to be or speculated he's going to be out for six weeks. He's had surgery on his AC joint, uh, in his shoulder. Uh, you know, the club, and again, this club proved me wrong a couple of times when, uh, you know, Mark Pitnett and then Harry Mackay both went out with injuries and I was thinking to myself, well, how do they compensate for both of these players? Well, they did. They did. They, you know, they kind of gave up, you know, getting the hitouts and just said, we're just going to give balls to the wall to get as many clearances as we can. We're going to stick our nose in there. And they've been pretty successful at that. And, you know, young Mr. Kernow has certainly picked up the slack with uh, Harry Mackay not being down there forward. But I've also heard people speculate that, that weedering is the player that this club could least afford to use. To lose, I should say. So it, it remains to be seen. First of all, how are they going to fill this spot? And secondly, are they going to be able to fill it well enough to allow this club to have some success? And full disclosure, I do have to, you know, I do have to acknowledge that, uh, I did check the fixture, uh, because as they said, you know, it's looking that he'll be out six weeks and the cats play Carlton six weeks from now. And I'm thinking, yay, that's good for us because that's one less person for them to match up against, uh, Hawkins or Cameron. So while I don't wish ill of anybody, it could work out to our advantage here in about a month and a half. So... You know, it has been a—it's uh, been an interesting week of footy. I—I uh, I got seven out of the nine games correct. I missed on the D's game and I missed on the Blues game. And and you could certainly argue that I might have gotten the Blues game correct had Weidring not been hurt. I mean, you could certainly argue. And and this is to take nothing away from the the Magpies, okay? And I'll get to them in a moment. Um, but you could certainly argue that, that that game could have gone the other way if his shoulder does not get injured. And I'm not saying that it would have, but it, it, it's a possibility. Now, the Swans, they battled back from a 25-point halftime deficit to knock off the Tigers. I mean, we had some fantastic, close, hard-fought games this weekend. This this was a weekend, and uh, let's see. We did have the GWS and Brisbane game and the um, Carlton. Collingwood game on here in the U.S. Of course, we also had the Bulldogs and the Eagles game. Uh, So, if new fans were watching that, their impressions of the Bulldogs and the Eagles long-term are likely to be extraordinarily skewed, okay? But like I said, um, that Tiger-Swans matchup was extraordinarily exciting. You know, the and, and the end, you know, and I'm still trying to figure out what in the heck happened. Um, you know, is this a, a scenario that, uh, you know, that can be used to help educate both players and umpires, as well as American fans, uh, that were somewhat perplexed down the road? Uh, you know, it's, you know, the umpire made that call from the center circle. And, you know... I'm not sure the distance between the center. So well, it's well, if it's about 155 meters wide, we're talking about probably about 80 meters away from the goal or from the the action, and he made that call, and blew that whistle. Uh, this is where I, I I asked somebody recently. You know, is there an instance where we should consider giving the boundary umpires a little bit more input to where they can actually convey their views now I don't know I'm assuming they're hooked up with the walkie-talkie system or the, the radio system with the other three umpires that are floating around the ground but are they allowed to have any input are they allowed to, to say here's what I saw here's here's the infor- here's the information that I have for you that's going to help make help you to make the proper call from where you are. Do they give them a little bit more autonomy to do something rather than just hold their arms out? Oh, yeah, I talked about this during the interview that I did on the uh, the hoops podcast the other day, which I had a lot of fun doing that. And I will put a link to that; uh, it's up on YouTube. Uh, I sat down with uh, Paul James for about an hour and 15 minutes to talk footy and to talk Geelong with him. He, it's a Geelong specific uh, podcast; uh, hence, it's called the Hoops. But I, you know, I tried to, you know, pay, you know homage to clubs all over the comp, as as I've done throughout the time that I've had my podcast. I don't spend, you know, an inordinate amount of time speaking about just the Cats. I try to include every club. Now, as of this recording, you know, Buddy Franklin's suspension, as I mentioned, it was upheld. So he's going to be out for a game. And I've got to be honest with you, I don't know how they thought they were going to talk the tribunal out of that suspension. You know, I, I posted something on social media once I saw this and people were saying, well, he's, they're going to go ahead and uh, try to fight this. They're going to try to appeal it. I said, so what are we going to see happening here pretty soon? Are we going to start seeing uh, construction sites where they just have statues with hammers in their hands and the buildings jump at the hammers to allow the nails to be pounded in? I, I, I don't see how that could have possibly not been upheld. He jacked him right in the jaw. I mean, and, and they showed it from several angles. There, there wasn't like one angle where you know you could you could argue that it was the uh, the old West TV show where that you know the guy takes the punch and he's you know he's turned his cheek just in time to not get hit by it, but give us that illusion of it having happened. Now he did kick five goals one, but you know it's not going to help them this week when they play the D's, and you know the D's are going to be pissed off about what happened this past week. You know, the, you got to tip your cap to Fremantle. They went in and just took care of the deeds. And that was an impressive win right there. You know, they dropped two games in a row in questionable weather, and they went in and they just absolutely did what they needed to do against Melbourne. And that was a statement win for them. And, it, and you got that uh, Fife coming back this week that's going to be playing in the, the uh, Waffle. And uh hopefully then after you know their next game, I am not sure if they have the bye the following week or not. Uh but you know he'll be uh he'll be back in the side hopefully. Now the you know the other game that was uh Yeah, and I'm gonna talk about you know, three other games here. I'm not gonna get to all of them this week, but the uh the other game that was, you know, just a lot of fun to watch, and of course Collingwood and, and uh Carlton was, but was the Giants and Brisbane. And, you know, the Giants jumped out of the gate early. This was like the, you know, the uh, the MMA fight where the fighter comes, you know, they, they they ring the bell, and he comes sprinting out of his side of the octagon and just starts trying to wail on his opponent before the opponent really knows what happens to him. And the opponent ultimately is going to come back and, and win the fight, as we know. Um, you know, it was a while before the Lions got them their feet under themselves. But, you know, Lockie Neal reminded everybody, you know, of his... Uh, Brownlow Bonafides, You know, he had 39 disposals, 6 tackles, and 9 clearances. Lincoln McCarthy kicked 4 goals, 1. Toby Green kicked 4 goals, 2. And Josh uh, Josh Kelly paced the midfield with 31 disposals, 5 tackles, and 6 clearances for the Giants. I mean, this was a very, very entertaining game. And I'm so glad that this game and the Blues and uh, Magpies were on television here. So I hope Americans tuned in to check out these two games. Because these are these are games that can help to sell this game to new viewers. It was a lot of fun. And, and, and think about it though. You know, even if you're not a supporter of either one of these clubs, you know, watching two two sides combine to kick 14 goals two in the first quarter, you can't you know Maximus, I don't know the, the entire name of Russell Crowe, but you know, I'm I'm sure that you know if we go back and we look at the footage, was Toby Green, you know, marching off to the uh, to the interchange at the end of the first quarter, going, "Are you not entertained?" Of course, I'm sure that they booed him at the gabba because nobody seems to like Toby Green all that much. Now Carlton Collingwood, this might have been the heavyweight fight of the round here. Okay, it was great to see Mason Cox back out there. Yes, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna plug my fellow Yank there. Um, made a big contribution you know he's he's been he's been battling and scuffling a little bit when he's gotten in there. You know, this is like I said this is a great win for the Magpies. But you have to wonder would the outcome have been different if Jacob Weedering hadn't left in the first quarter. And again like I said, I don't want to take anything away from the Magpies because they earned that victory. They just they just did. Okay? That's you can't take anything away from them. But the Blues are going to have to now figure out how do we overcome and adapt for not having our star defender back there. And then the last game I'm going to mention is, of course, you know Adelaide and Geelong. And it's great to see Brian Myers back out there. He and Jeremy Cameron and Tyson Stengel combined for 10 goals. You know, the Cats have won two in a row. They got to play two games in a row at home. It's a nice return for Myers, you know, who is somebody that on social media gets maligned quite a bit. And I have to be honest. I have done that as well. I, I've I've commented where I did not think that he had the the heft in his physique to or the or the desire to be a willing tackler. Uh, and uh, well, you know he did a nice job this week. You know, kicking three goals. It was great to see him back out there. Now I don't know if he's the uh, I don't know if he's the anti Samson because he did cut off some of his uh, hair. But um, this is a kid who has a lot of talent, and he sees somebody who's pressing him for playing time in Tyson Stengel. And, you know, when Gary Rowan is back again from his uh, most recent injury, you know, Rowan may be pushing himself back into that spot because he's not afraid to tackle. He's certainly not afraid to mix it up with people. You know, Darcy Fogarty had a great game with uh, three goals one. But it was, it was very evident that, that the Crows were scuffling by not having their favorite target down near the goal square with Tex Walker to get out with the health and safety protocols. And of course, there were rumblings out there right now that maybe there's a club that is kind of in their premiership window that has offered him a two-year contract. Now, I, I don't know. I guess I still need to work on learning the ins and outs of how that sort of thing works, whether, you know, how the clubs are able to actually reach out to agents while a player is still under contract with an existing club, I just I, I guess it could happen, but that's something that just generally does not occur in sports here in the U.S. You know there are what they call tampering rules that prevent that sort of thing from happening. And you know, Cat supporters were absolutely stoked and chuffed to see Sam DeConey get a uh, rising star nomination. You know, he's he's fitting in nicely back there in in the the defensive six with uh, Mark Blitz has moving up into the ruck you know, I think it makes the Cats a much more mobile club. Now, and again, you know, have may, may not get all of the hitouts, but this is where the Cats could start to emulate and try to, you know, duplicate what the Blues are doing with just sticking their noses in there and trying to get every damn clearance they can get their hands on. You know, we'll see if that sort of thing's going to actually occur, though. Now, I looking at a couple of, you know, the responses from some of the, the fans from some of the clubs... Um, you know, I, and I, I got some got some that I wanted to share here, and I got some great responses from uh, from a couple that I definitely want to get to. But with regards to Carlton, uh, James said, I thought we were only good in patches. We let them set the tone for the game. When we were good, we were really good, but it was only in patches. They were better for longer. Side bottoms experience exposed Cottrell's inexperience. The only way to compensate for weederings is probably the obvious one, draft one. And again, I'm not sure, you know, they brought in the kid from the Carlton VFL. I don't even know if he's a key defender or not, but that's, dare I say, a tall task for somebody coming in from the VFL side to to fit into that spot. But it might be the case. Uh, And it's obvious, it's only obvious because our backs have copped such long-term injuries, but we have to to draft a ready-made key back, not a kid. Uh, Matthew says, something I've noticed as of late, when opposition win possession in our forward line, they continually switch play and run out of defense with ease. I know it's slightly easier identifying this from the outer, but it's becoming glaringly obvious. Tony said, pending who we select in the draft, for one to two weeks have Kemp and Silvani uh, young as your back talls. Kennedy replaces Silvani as a defending forward with Rucks, DeConing, Rucks, center bounces. Defending side of the field and continues to play, uh, to continue to read play and policy. polices laterally up to center to center half forward. Cripps rucks forward line out of bounces. Uh, a lot of communication between Kripp and De Konig. Uh, De Koenig has, uh, has play in his sights uh, in front always. Everyone else has to lift their game by 10% will be better for it. De Koenig can change with SOS uh, down back if things are, uh, go our way. Using what we have as Voss mentioned, uh spanners will continue to be thrown at us i know those are wrenches okay monkey wrenches there uh our strength has been above the head sticking to how voss wants us to play and i I think it's a that's a great point because this is somebody who was offering you know solutions and again they're not part of the coaching you know group of course but this is somebody who is very well versed in the uh in the club side and they had some some decent ideas there so you know We'll see if any of those come to fruition it's not like you know michael voss is going to be you know listening to my podcast or anything like that because one it's going to be out about 12 hours later than i wanted it to be and uh and two he probably knows by now i'm still a little uh miffed that he got all of the uh hullabaloo that thursday before the grand final which i've talked about before now on the flip side of that game looking at the collingwood supporters uh Kearney, and that's an interesting name, uh, said Murphy was great. Moore Steele, good, good too. Josh Dacos also, generally our whole back line did well and put the whole body on the line. Lipinski had a great game as well. Anthony said, after having the highs over the past two weeks and want to be a credible top eight team, it won't count for much if we don't win this week. The coach should be telling the team to put all of our possible effort into the next two weeks so we can enjoy the break and be an outstanding position for the run home. Paul said, "How would have been up there as one of the best if he didn't drop a sitter that cost us a goal. So would Crisp if uh, his disposal efficiency wasn't so low. Dacos Noble in the top three. Cox also gets a mention for some big marks. De- but Decoe, with 11 score involvements, 24 disposals, and 500 meters gained, gets the nod as our best player for me. In terms of the Hawthorne game, a big uh, game with Cameron Cox versus Lynch. We'll see if we keep the right players but more importantly, it's a must-win as we are still being compared with our loss to West Coast. A win this week and competitive against Melbourne will help put the West Coast game behind us. And that's absolutely true, yeah. Absolutely true. Um, now, the uh, looking at some of the responses from Fremantle supporters. Uh, Jane said, it was fantastic. In the third quarter, we were all screaming. The atmosphere was electric. And Gabrielle said, I've watched the replay twice, and it was only about 15 minutes when they dominated and scored quickly. We were very competitive from the outset, but missed shots on goal. Conversely, in the second half, we couldn't miss. Absolutely brilliant. And Natasha said, I was truly shocked. There's no denying that Melbourne has been fantastic this season, so I was interested to see how we'd hold up against them, but to just bulldoze bulldozing completely had me speechless. And personally, to those who say losing May was the deciding factor, did they watch the game? May went down early in the first, and then Melbourne bamboozled us in the second. How does it even make sense that he was the reason we won in the second half? Okay, that's fair. Now the D supporters, okay? The D supporters here, you know, um, <laughs> one of them made me laugh, okay? Uh, Greg said it was inevitable that we were going to lose, but the way we gave up and panicked was a concern. That's certainly fair enough. Everyone talks about the great depth of the team, but this game showed that without a few of our key players, we are really ordinary. Wow. I think I'm going to have to go back and take another look at their list. So if they've got, you know, depending upon who they have out. Uh, Ben said, round 11 is halfway through the home and away season. We're almost secured a finals berth. I'd have been pretty happy with that two years ago. That makes sense. Uh, Lois says, a loss to a quality team is no disgrace. Remember, the Dockers did what no other team has done so far. They beat the Cats in Geelong. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that, Lois. And now the Demons. Measure your losses by the quality of the opponent. Now that that's somebody that that's somebody that gets it right there. Yeah, they're keeping their eye on the big picture. So Lois, Loris, I'm sorry, not Lois, Loris. I applaud you for that one there. Yeah, Fremantle is right up there, and that's without their star Nat Fife. And Mary, she uh, she just summed it up. She said Melbourne didn't lose. It was Narm, so Melbourne is still undefeated. So <laughs> I, I yeah, I thought that was just kind of a you know, cute response to that there. Now I had um, I, I had several responses from uh, North Melbourne supporters. And I've got, like I said, I've got a couple more clubs here, and I and I actually I responded to this person and I said you sir might j-, and I'm going to tell you what I said in response first. I said you sir might just be the beacon of hope that Rue supporters need as they traverse these rebuilding years, and I put a little meme on there uh, that said my respect for you is immense. Okay. Now, here is what got that response from me. And Dean, Dean P said, I see tons. First, we aren't even 18th. We've loaded up with kids. Our weaknesses are clear and fixable. The Eagles are 18th, way older, and have no draft picks to begin to rebuild from. SNN and GWS are lost in no man's land as well. We have good performances. We, I'm sorry, we have had good performances. Goldstein killed it even if he's leaving next year. Or he's putting it in now still. Anderson was fantastic. Simkin, Zerhar has found consistency. Larkey competed all game despite being two on one all day. Bailey Scott is comfortable at this level now. McDonald's is, McDonald is a lockdown back. Core is also getting consistent. Let's see. Perez and Taylor are getting a lot of uh, consecutive games under them. Karen Hayden played under 20 games but looks athletic enough to take over for and Hall. Ben McKay comes back in next week. If Cunnington was in, Greenwood, Thomas, and Idu put in a real performance, and we had a second key forward. A lot can change positively for this club, as it sta- as it stands. It seems Spicer, Curtis, and Mahoney are are all fighting to be the small forward. Jason Horn Francis is still contracted us, to us for next year. If he walks, he can't walk unless we get a deal worth taking. We still have the upper hand in any deal. Aaron Hall is still to come back and come back in and can play at least two more years. He hasn't slowed down at all. Stevenson Zeri, CZJ and Pollock are unknowns at this point. It doesn't take much to improve. If Cunnington comes in, Greenwood would get the second-best mid, and it would help him get off more. Mackay frees up core to intercept marks. The second forward allows Larkey one-on-one, uh, Edwards or Comedy. Uh, these little things lead to extra goals here and there and allows better defensiveness. We, have, we also have the number two pick in the midseason draft, and I would not draft a recruit. Uh, another rookie to develop and any mature player that could fill a hole right now it's never as good or as bad as it seems so I, I'll tell you what I, I Dean if you're listening to this sir I applaud you for that because you know you you took a practical look at your club and you you laid it out there and you you shared what your views were and and I'm not gonna re- yeah, I'm not gonna pl- show all of the responses say all the responses but he had probably eight or ten people, after the comment that I made, that were just you know basically telling him he was spot on, and applauding him for those comments. So I mean it was it was really good to see that. And and uh, you know it's just a uh, it's just a, a a club that has just hit some uh, some real tough times. But let me ask you this, and and I and I'll put this out, me. I don't do a question of the week or anything like that. But I'm just curious. You know if you were to Start a club. If they told you, you can, you're going to be starting your own club, would you want to start it with Essendon's list or North Melbourne's list? If you were going to get one of those two clubs to, to have as your club, which one would you want right now going into this year, the rest of this year, and into next year? Would you want Essendon or would you want North Melbourne? And again, I don't necessarily know the answer to that. I'm just tossing that out there just to, to see what you think. Okay? And, uh, you know, folks... I did hear from a number of uh, um, Sydney supporters as well. Um, yeah, they're they're talking about how they think their next matchup is going to be wet. Uh, it's I'm listening through my the my headphones here and outside of my house right now. It's absolutely pouring rain. Um, you know, and Ron, Ronnie said uh, this is before the uh, reaction from the tribunal came in. Ronnie said Bud will get off, although it's head high contact. I believe Kochan put it on a bit. Nothing to see here with a big smiley face. Uh, Blakey needs to be back for us as well. We'll need his run and carry to hopefully stretch the field. Definitely would love to love Hickey to come be back to take on Gone. Cheer cheer. Uh, and Matt said in my my opinion for the upcoming game against the D's, I don't think we can we can play Reed. He is too slow. And yes, he had a half decent game against the Tigers, but he hasn't played two blinders in a row. If we do the if. We do, his only job would be to tag Gone out of the game. Gone is probably the best Ruckman in the game. Wicks, Hayward, Warner, Mills will need to be at their best. They can't try to be fancy or get ahead of themselves, but they also need to take the game on and play fast. We need to be able to shut down Oliver, Pataka, Jackson, Hunt, and Brayshaw. Wouldn't that be nice if you could do that? Yeah, you'd probably do really well if you do that. I think Langdon is going uh, to play so the Ds uh, will have plenty of speed on their side. Ramps can't handle McDonald. He'll most likely have to just tag him out of the game. He needs to be at his best. Start him off on the ball, and if he gets smashed, send him forward. Okay. So, and um, I had one other comment here from a West Coast supporter. Okay, and I'm, and I'm basically asking the same questions in these groups to get these responses from people, and I, and I, and I, and I really like getting the input from these these folks, and, and I'm hoping that if you're somebody who Whose comment is being shared i hope you're hearing it and i hope you're enjoying it um tom said i was at the game the thing is they're not fo- that far off the mark i see them as a team of almost at the moment they almost get it clear from stoppages but then it gets turned over they almost deliver inside 50 but that's just that's just lack of mid and forward connection they almost make the tackle but then the opposition break free and they're out biggest problems right now are the defensive 50 everything it everything it goes inside of a defensive 50 is just as a disaster Either the opposition takes it takes an easy mark, or it hits the deck and is quickly snapped up and kicked for a goal or an easy free kick given away. The other problem is inside 50 at the other end. If we miss on a goal, they're very slow to reset and man up and try to keep it in attack the attacking 50. Instead, they're dawdling and not manning up, and the ball comes out real quick. And the opposition makes it easy to go coast to coast for a goal. They really need to tidy up on that. Other than th- than those things, it's just a matter of game time together and ironing out the skill errors, which I admit has improved since the start of the season far less skill errors it's more fundamentals that are broken at the moment so just you know some great input um you know from these different clubs and you know what i i did say as i'm scrolling through the rest of my list here my adelaide supporters uh did say that uh jake said that uh, the crows dominated around the ball but every other area on the ground they just lacked a little bit of class compared to geelong from a cats fan So that's a Cat supporter that said that in the Adelaide room. Um, Alan, who's an Adelaide supporter, said, Eagle and North games should be wins on paper, but if our players come out with the the attitude that they only need to turn up to win, we will become unstuck. Steve says, no easy games for the Crows at the moment. Head down, ass up, or they will get beaten. We need to win this convincingly for team morale. I would agree there. Um, Jason made a great observation. Geelong had nearly double the inside 50s, but only two more scoring shots, yet they won by seven goals. And, it, and Steven followed up, yeah, you got to kick goals, not points. The rest will take care of itself, which leads me to the last one here, um, the Bulldogs. And uh, Kobe said, I think the only thing you can take away from our win, and this is, again, that big win over the Eagles, uh, against a team like that is the fact that we didn't take our foot off the pedal at the end and uh dave spink said uh I disagree kobe i think it was a fair but you could take away from a game like that number one he said you still have to turn up and beat the team in front of you regardless of the form they're in many times the bulldogs have played other teams back into form the weagles still uh, have a number of senior skillful players in the side and have cut us apart before it was a chance to get hands on ball uh, Link-up plays in a game situation, not training, a gain in confidence for a few more players, a gain in percentage is always handy, a W in the win column, a good rebound effort for Astro uh, against an accomplished backman, a good team effort, and probably plenty more, so there's always plenty to game. So, folks, those of you who did reach out and respond, I, I want to thank you for, for taking time to 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 share your thoughts there. You know, I would love to get to a point where these responses, you know, happen over on my website through my blog, I've I've not uh, you know I've not gotten to that point yet. Uh, I'm still trying to drive traffic to the website. I'm I'm again I'm a one-person podcast, so getting the blog up and and running on a consistent basis there is it's it's a process. Now the the good news is at least for the time being is that uh, our school year. I'm a teacher. My school year ends in five days. I have five school days left. Yeah. No, I have four school days left. I'm sorry. I have four school days left. And then uh, I'm off for like the next eight to ten weeks, give or take. Now, I have a lot of stuff to do for school because I'm revamping much of what I do in class. But... um, it's going to allow me, you know, to have you know much more time to devote to the 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 meat and potatoes of the podcast as we go forward here. So I'm really look, you know, really looking forward to seeing what round twelve brings. I do have a, a great uh, surprise. I'm going to be doing something different with my uh, round twelve tips. I have somebody coming on to join me. And I'm not going to say who that is as of yet. Um. You know, as I I've told you many times, you know, while I am a cat supporter, I do try to do my best. To learn as much I can as I can about each of the clubs and to to, to give deference to them. I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not here to disrespect a club, you know. And and if you're an Essendon supporter, I hope you weren't thinking that that's what I was doing tonight because I was just trying to ask you know, serious questions there with that. Um, so I will have my my uh, tips out um, in about 24 hours. Actually, closer to about 30 hours, they will be out. Uh, from when this is released. Uh, so folks, don't forget that you can reach me by email at yankonthefooty at com, over on Twitter at yank underscore on, and on Facebook, now that my new Facebook page is up, look for a Yank on the Footy podcast. And of course, if you're a footy fan, you can also find me, Craig Wessels, on there. And, and, and hey, I, I love, you know, building, you know, friendships to discuss the game on Facebook as well. So you don't have to reach out to just the podcast. If you're somebody who's a, a footy fan that wants to, you know, yeah, I, I, I talk to several footy fans on a very regular basis uh, on both Insta, on both Instagram as well, I guess both, on also Instagram, Twitter, and on Facebook. So um, I would encourage you to head over to my website, iYankOnTheFooty.com, and get on the mailing list. If you like the show, I do hope you'll take a couple of minutes and leave a review. There is a review button up at the top where you can send out a review to Apple or to Podchaser or wherever you want to send it out to or you can put one right there on their website. It's a huge it's a huge help to the show. It lets it like I said it gives me some validity to hopefully convince other people to check out the show. Um, if you're somebody who has a great story and I hope you uh, enjoyed my discussion with John Perry that uh, Premiership player from uh, the Tigers, who also played with the Ruse, just an absolutely wonderful gentleman. I truly enjoyed talking with him, uh, folks. If you're somebody who would like to be a guest, fill out like that uh, register as a guest form up at the top, and maybe drop me an email and let me know that you filled that out so we can kind of set something up. Okay, I actually discovered a a new non-footy podcast uh, just yesterday. And I reached out to the, the host of that podcast, and it's somebody who i traded emails with back in uh, January of last year. And this was when I was just getting onto LinkedIn, and I got overwhelmed by the responses I was getting on, on LinkedIn. As I had told people, it was like getting a drink of water out of a fire hose. Um, I reached out to him again yesterday because I just thought that the whole premise of this of this new podcast that he is doing was just fascinating, and I listened to the first episode of it, and while it's something that you might think that um, somebody here in the U.S. would just not be interested at all, like I said, I found it fascinating. And I don't want to say what it is as of yet, uh, because I, I'm going to be hopefully having him on the show here very soon to allow him to plug his own show, uh, but I enjoyed the heck out of it. And if you are a lifelong Aussie, I think you'll like it as well. So, folks, I want to thank you for listening. We're fans of our clubs. Deep down, we're fans of this game that we love of footy. Hopefully, you're going to get out and see your club play today if they're not on the buy. If not, maybe you get out to watch a local footy game. Support those youngsters. Support those young people who are trying to become the next people to step into uh, the NAB drafts. Okay? And, folks, if you enjoy the show, like I said, I do hope you'll consider sharing the link of the podcast with your friends and family. It would be great. And again, thanks for the kind words and the continued support. As always, ladies and gentlemen, may your dribble kick never hit the post. I will catch you later. This has been episode 173 of a Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at Yank Underscore on, on Twitter or to YankOthefooty at gmail.com. You can find me at a Yank on the Footy Podcast on Facebook or on at a Yank on the Footy on Instagram. And check out the website at thefootycom And folks, thanks for listening. Give it a share. And until next time, everyone, this is Craig Wessels. Goodbye.